each and every one of us wake up each morning with underlying questions on our heart and mind. More than often, they involve what we have going on in our day. Maybe there's some underlying issues or something that we're trying to work out in our head or in our heart from the night before, and we're still kind of dwelling on it in the morning. Whatever it is, we wake up with these underlying questions. But there seems to be this one question that is underlying in each and every one of us that we may be aware of or we may not be aware of. And that underlying question is, who is God? This underlying question or questions of who is God, where is God, what is he doing? These are questions that that go through cultures, goes through nationalities. Every person on this globe has this indwelling question of God, who are you? Where are you? What are you doing? When I look back through my life, I see many, 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 countless times where I have asked that question, God, who are you, what are you doing, and where are you at? And I think about a time back when I was in college where I kind of was just hit with this, just like, oh my goodness, Lord, I am struggling to understand your ways right now because what I expected to happen is not happening, and you have to be here, and if you're not, I need to know. And I remember sitting down in this place within my apartment where I was just able to just kind of get alone and I was just spending some time with the Lord. And I took out a little sticky notepad like the one right here if you're watching the the episode. And the goal was for me to sit down and like draw out what I feel like is going on right now in my heart and in my mind. I just wanted to process, and so I was trying to draw what I felt like I was going through. It's very similar to probably what I just drew right here, but it it looks like a mess. It looks like a mess. There's so many just loops, and it's, it's so just convoluted and complicated, and it's just so, so, so messy, and yet after I drew this, I felt like truth just kind of came to my mind as I was looking at this piece of paper of God you are here. Sometimes it's so easy to see in hindsight just how events orchestrated in order to get us to where we are. But regardless of where you're at today, maybe you're at the lowest point of your life, regardless of where you're at today, each and every one of us have an opportunity to hold the hand of our creator, savior, sustainer as he walks us through where we find ourselves today. Through the good times, through the bad times, we have a God that is faithful. And when we ask those questions of God, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you? These underlying questions can be answered when instead of running away from those questions in those good times and bad times, we lean into our creator, savior, and sustainer and allow him to show us a color in the chaos that only he and he alone can bring. And so Heavy Heart, no matter where today finds you, that is the question that I want to talk about today. God, where are you? What are you doing? How are you going to use even this in order to grow me and to help me see you? Heavy Heart, right now, you are right where you need to be. Welcome to the Color and Chaos 
podcast. Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Whether this is your first time coming across this podcast or you've been here for a while, I want to ask you if you haven't yet to subscribe or review this podcast, feel free to do so. And in doing so, it helps this podcast extend beyond what I can do on my own. There's a couple stories in the scripture that I wanted to focus on as we're looking at this whole idea of that we right now, that you right now, that we are right where we need to be. Before we jump into these stories, I want to invite us to take all the different things, all the different, you know, puzzle pieces or chess pieces of your day today, of your life right now in the season of life where it finds you. I want to encourage us to take all of those compartments and bring it just into this like pile before us and just remember that when it comes to our creator, savior, sustainer, he doesn't just see certain compartments that we want him to see. He sees it all. He can see stuff that the government can't see. He sees each and every aspect and crevice of our heart and mind. And so before we read these stories in the scripture and we invite the Lord to help us be able to see ourselves and to, to be able to identify where he is in the midst of these questions that we have, let's bring all that we have to the Lord saying, Lord, everything in my life matters to you. Psalms 139 is one of my favorite passages in the scripture. And within the psalm, David is crying out. And he basically just says, Lord, I identify that there is nowhere I can go to escape you, that you see my thoughts from afar. Before a word is even on my tongue, Lord, you know it. Lord, when I sit, when I rise, Lord, if I go to the bottom of the sea or if I rise to the highest of heavens, Lord, you are there. And David throughout this whole psalm is basically talking about that, Lord, you are present no matter where I go, whether I'm in the darkness, whether I'm in the light. The first story that I wanted to, to talk about is found in Daniel chapter 3. Within the book of Daniel, you see these Jewish men and women that are taken into captivity. The nation of Israel has went through this split and they have been taken captive by a nation called Babylon. And so within this passage right here in Daniel chapter three, there's a Jewish man named Daniel. He was a young man when he was taken into captivity. And this man was raised in this ideology or this mindset of the Babylonians. The Babylonians did not see things the way that the Jews saw things. Their worldview was completely different. And here's Daniel thrown into a new worldview, thrown into a new culture, thrown into a new set of circumstances. And the only thing that is constant for Daniel is the fact that he knows that his creator, savior, and sustainer is still with him. There is this constant anchor that you see throughout the whole book of Daniel that Daniel is just, okay, 
God, there is so much newness around me, but I know that you are the same God that was with me before I ever stepped foot into Babylon. So in Daniel chapter three, we find Daniel and two of his friends put in this moral dilemma of do they bow down to the statue that is made in order to worship this king named Nebuchadnezzar, or do they stand true and stand firm and worship their one true God? So this is Daniel chapter three, I'm going to start with verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and maliciously accused the Jews, saying to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, may you live forever. You, O king, have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harps, the pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the golden statue. So it goes down to verse 13, and this is what it says. Then Nebuchadnezzar, furious with rage, summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these are men with different names, but still Daniel and his friends. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden statue I have set up? Now, if you are ready, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harps, the pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the statue that I've made. But if you refuse to worship, you will be thrown at once into a blazing, fiery furnace. Then what God will be able to deliver you from my hands? So the king gives them another opportunity to do what it is that he has called them to do, which is to abandon their God and to worship the gods that he desires them to worship and to worship him himself. And he says at the very end here, he says, look, what God that you serve will help you deliver you from what I'm about to do to you if you don't follow what I'm telling you to do. And this is what they respond in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If the God who we serve exists, then he is able to deliver us from the blazing fiery furnace and from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set up. Heavy heart, when we find ourselves in those moments where we are asking, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, why am I here? There is a reason that goes far beyond what we can comprehend. But something that is really interesting to me in this passage is not only do they say we have this worldview that God is able to work in the midst of this chaos, they also have a worldview that has an allowance for God to not work in the ways that they expect him to. But regardless of how God works, they are saying that our faith in Yahweh is not dependent on what he does or doesn't do. It's dependent on the reality that he is who he says he is. Heavy heart, no matter what we are going through in these questions that we have, and we're saying, God, am I where I need to be? You are right where you need to be. Why? Because Our God is more powerful than the mistakes that we've made, the mistakes of others, or in just our own confusion and anxiety and questions and fears and worries and doubts. Our God is greater than that. And sometimes we find ourselves in these moments of crisis in order to grow our worldview and grow our faith in a God that exists far beyond what we are currently going through. And either it is that we have a creator, savior, sustainer that cares and that is present, or he is not. 
And in the moments of crisis, we are forced to answer that question. (laughs) And either we'll walk out of the crisis with an even more solidified and firm faith in the God that does not change, or we'll walk out of the crisis defining who he is or who he isn't. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they all say, I'm not going to base my view on the God that we worship based on my present circumstance. I'm going to base my view on the God that we worship based on who he says he is. Are we right where we need to be? If you're breathing, yes. 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 Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and come to him and be glad through knowing, God, that you do not leave me. But God, help me not miss what you want me to see, what you want me to learn, how you want to mold my heart more into your likeness today. Daniel understood that the Lord can do whatever he wants, but he has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Daniel recognized that there is a history between him and Yahweh, his God, our God. There's a history. He can look back over his life, see a faithfulness of God. So regardless of whatever the Lord wants to do in this circumstance, it's not going to change the fact that he is who he is. Even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. I'm going to give you a little plot twist. I'm going to kind of spoil a little bit for you. If you read the rest of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar has a crisis moment of himself. He goes insane, and he basically is kind of kicked out of his own kingdom. And within that exile from his kingdom, through his own mental deterioration or just even the people around him, through that exile, he comes to know the same God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that Daniel and his friends are talking about right here. We never know how the Lord will use our circumstances, our stories to impact the people around us. And who are we to rob the Lord of a testimony just because we're uncomfortable or just because we're put in a circumstance that might cost our life or our dignity or a position or whatever? It's a beautiful story of how the Lord can use and will use and does use each and everything that we go through in order to point others and to grow us closer to himself. The second story that I wanted to talk about of just this this whole reality that we are right where we need to be. I was thinking about King David. King David exists before Daniel. So this is going back in time from what we just read in Daniel. And this is right when the nation of Israel is starting to really get established. This is before the nation of Israel splits. And and honestly, and the Bible says that the reason why the nation of Israel even split to begin with is because of David's (laughs) slip-ups. David did some stuff that just completely divided the kingdom, his his own kingdom. And it, it all stemmed from his sinfulness and his selfishness. 
And specifically, David saw a woman one day, he was on the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and he lusted after her, and he desired for her to be his wife. The problem is, is that she had a husband. So even though he knew this man, he knew who her husband was, he sent her husband, who was already fighting battles for King David and for the whole nation of Israel, he sent her husband to basically go out and get killed. He put him on the front lines, deliberately knowing that by putting him on the front lines, his chance of death will be skyrocketed and that more than likely he will die in combat. And so David thought he got away with this. David thought nobody knew about the affair. Nobody knew about any of that. But he was just going to kind of cover up his tracks by killing the husband of the woman that he has an affair with and that also gets pregnant by him. And so everything seemed to be like, okay, brushed under the rug. Everything is, okay, nobody needs to know what just happened. You know, I'm just going to have this facade that everything's okay. Until a prophet named Nathan that David knew very well comes to him. And basically, through this interaction that Nathan has with David, he tells David a story, and he says, okay, the story that you're telling me, whoever did this injustice within your story, they should be killed. They should be brought to justice. And Nathan turns to David and says, this story that I'm telling is about you. And so now David knows that he's found out. And so instead of killing Nathan and trying to cover up his tracks even more, he realizes that the Lord is trying to get to David and say, I know what you've done. So David falls down and he repents. He says, I acknowledge what I've done. And Lord, I am sorry. God, please forgive me. God, please have mercy on me. So God makes it very clear to David that the child that Bathsheba, the woman that he had an affair with, that he took to be his own wife now, that the child that she is carrying will die. As a consequence of David's sin, the child will die. And David, he, he, he doesn't want for this to happen. He doesn't want for an innocent child to suffer because of his own mistakes. And so he goes to God and he's, he's fasting and he's, he's saying, God, forgive me. God, please have mercy on this child. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in this moment where the worst happens, even though David the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Even though David was pleading with God to, to, God, don't allow what you said to happen to happen. God, please have mercy. God, God, please, please, please help me, help me, help me work in the midst of my mistake. God, don't let my mistake be the reason why this child has to die. In the midst of all this, we find ourselves when the worst happened. And this is what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 18. It says this. On the seventh day, the child died. But David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, look, while the child was alive, we spoke to him and he would not listen to us. So how can we tell him that the child is dead? He might even harm himself. Verse 19, when David saw that his servants were whispering to one another, he perceived that the child was dead. So he asked his servants, is the child dead? He is dead, they replied. Then David got up from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they sat food before him, and he ate. What is it that you have done, his servants asked. While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when he died, you got up and ate. 
David answered, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let him live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went to her and laid with her. After a while, she gave birth to another son, and they named him Solomon. And this whole idea of God, where are you? What are you doing? And this whole idea of these questions that we ask, even in the moments where we have messed up royally, and we find ourselves today in a place that we never thought we would find ourselves, and we can link it back to a mistake that we made or even a mistake that others have made, even there, we are right where we need to be. And you might be saying, Jonah, how, how do you get that from this passage? What's really important is that this son, Solomon, Solomon is the ancestor of Jesus. When we look at the line of Jesus in the book of Matthew, you can see the genealogy of how Jesus traces his family history all the way back to Adam. And within that genealogy, you see many instances of people that made moral failures and had major mistakes. And this is an example of one of those. David took a wife that was not his own wife as his wife. His first child with this woman dies. The second child goes on to be the king of Israel and goes on to continue the line that leads to Jesus. God can use our mistakes for growth. He can also use our mistakes for redemption, restoration. Today is the day that the Lord has given as a gift. Instead of us trying to take today in our own hands to produce something from today, may we bring it to the hands of the only one that could do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine. We have a God that can use even this, even this, what we're going through, even when it's our own mistakes and our own failures, he can use this to grow us closer to himself and to help others see that regardless of our mess ups, our God is not a mess up. Now he is faithful. He is faithful. Continuing verse 24, it says this, now the Lord loved the child. And then verse 25, and sent word through Nathan, the prophet, the same prophet that called David out, so we know he's still alive. He sent word through Nathan, the prophet, to name him Judidia, because the Lord loved him. What's really interesting about this name is that it literally means beloved of Yah, of Yahweh. And so Nathan, the prophet, identifies that the Lord is working in the midst of this failure that he has given David a blessing in the midst of all of this pain. And he, Nathan, the prophet, the same prophet that called David out for the moral failure, he's able to see that God is still at work. That just because David messed up doesn't mean that God's done with him. God's still using David. And this child, God will use this child 
No matter where today finds you, heavy heart, we are right where we need to be, and God can use this. God can use this, what we're going through, even in the moments where we got ourselves here. May we bring our today to him, to our God, and say, God, help me see you. Help me see you, and help me surrender to you. The last story in the scripture I wanted to talk about is found in Philippians chapter 1. Paul was a person who had this encounter with Jesus after Jesus died and rose again. He had this encounter with Jesus, and it changed his life. And Paul finds himself in prison. And within prison, he writes these words, For everyone here in prison, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. They know that I'm in chains because of Christ. Heavy heart. Sometimes we will go through uncomfortable and just very painful circumstances and situations because our God loves us so much that he wants for others to have an opportunity to encounter him through you, through me. He goes on to the next verse and he says this, And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. (laughs) Paul's recognizing, look, I am where I am today in order to strengthen those around me to be able to see more of Christ in the midst of their uncomfortability, pain, and their confusion. Heavy heart, you are where you are today for a plan and purpose that goes so far beyond anything this world can offer. Regardless of what got you here, you are right where you need to be in order for the Lord to receive more glory and honor. And maybe right now you're going through such a pain that you really don't care about the honor and glory of God, you know, and you know, that sounds really fluffy and sounds really good, but I really don't care. I just don't like being where I am. That's part of the problem. <laughs> That's part of the problem. We like to idolize ourselves. We like to idolize our comfort. We like to idolize our security. We like to idolize our you know, familiarity. But, but we have a God that cares so much more about our heart than he cares about our comfort. And so he places us, he allows us to be put into places that we're uncomfortable, that we're outside of what we feel like we're capable of in order for him to work and to show more of who he is in order for us to bow down even more and say, my God, my life is yours and for us to joyfully partner with our creator, savior, sustainer that loves us and cares for us so much more than any person on this planet, than anyone, including ourselves, could ever love and care for us. We have a God that loves us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God, either you love us or you don't. Either you care or you don't. Either you hear us or you don't. And these moments when we have these questions on our heart of, God, where are you? What are you doing? You know, why am I here? What are you going to do here? God, what is going on? In these moments that we have these crises, the answer is Jesus. As we look to Jesus, we're able to understand more and more and more of why we are going through what we're going through or where we are and and what he can do through where we are. If we want these questions to be answered, we can't run away from the uncomfortability. We got to lean into, got to lean into it. 
like Daniel, like David, like Paul. We've got to lean into it. Say, God, I don't understand, but you do. And I'm looking to you and I'm going to grow closer to you through this. I'm right where I need to be. Why? Because you love me. You love me. You love me. Either he loves you or he doesn't. Either he cares or he doesn't. Either he hears you or he doesn't. And heavy heart, I'm here to tell you today, he does. He does to all of those questions. He does. And he is. He is Yahweh. He is the I am. He is the, he is the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is our God. And he loves you and he cares for you. Romans chapter eight, verse 28, Paul writes this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. We know that God causes everything to work together for our good. We need to start redefining what good is. Good isn't what I think it is. Good is what you say it is, God. And I can know what good is by knowing you. As I know you, I'm able to know, oh my gosh, <laughs> literally, oh my God, I am where I need to be. God, help me not miss what you want to show me. Help me not miss what you want to show me. I want to end with this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. Paul says this, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But then this is what Paul says, but the word of God cannot be chained. No matter where you find yourself today, maybe overwhelmed or, or anxious or confused or fearful, whatever it is, the word of God can reach us here. And may we not hinder the word of God from reaching us. May we not chain the same word that can help illuminate a light to our path and to help us be able to know where to plant our feet through the chaos. His word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. May we not chain it today by telling our God, no, 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 this is what you're gonna do and this is what it's gonna look like. No, 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 no. May we let his word say what he's gonna do. May we let his word tell us who he is. May we let his word define and redefine what we're going through in order for us to see a light that goes far beyond our momentary afflictions and troubles. Heavy heart, you are loved. You are loved, you are loved, and you are right where you need to be. You are right where you need to be. May we bring where we are today to the God who holds our today, who holds our yesterdays, and holds our tomorrows. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that in the midst of everything that we go through, from the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and all of the confusion and chaos in between, God, just thank you. Thank you that you are here and that there is nothing that you can't redeem. There is nothing that you can't give us an awakening, a soberness, an awareness to. Lord, help align our hearts Holy Spirit, align our hearts with your desire and your will for our life and our today. Help us not fight and grieve you by trying to do this through our own understanding or our own ways. But God, in all of our ways, help us acknowledge you knowing that you will make our path straight. God, you love us. You love us. You love us. God, help us trust you. Help us lean into you today. 
thank you so much, God, that no matter what yesterday held, no matter what we have done, that we are right where we need to be. Help us trust you in that. Help us have a faith and hope in that. But God, help us not stay where we're at right now. Help us go where you want us to go. Help us do what it is that you want us to do. Help us want what it is that you want. Help us love as you've loved. Help us forgive as you've forgiven. God, help us be your hands and feet today. And help us know you. Help us see you. In the midst of all of our questions, God, you are the answer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, it's in your name that we surrender our today to you and trust that you will lead us as we submit to your word. It's in your name that we pray and we surrender, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Heavy heart. In the moments where our life looks like a convoluted mess, our God is not. Our God is not. The orphan clings to
Yeah.